0: every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: When two division one athletes discuss the challenges and successes of navigating life after competing, you get conversations designed by athletes for athletes. I'm Don Sutton.
2: And I'm Brooke Beerhouse. Sharing with the athletic community stories and insights to better understand life when your sport ends. Welcome to the podcast, When Your Sport Ends, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Here to bring you weekly conversations on a topic that most collegiate and professional athletes still struggle to discuss. I'm Brooke Bearhouse, alongside my thoughtful co-host Don Sutton. Thank you for being with us on another exciting episode that I think will resonate strongly with many of you who have gone through or are currently going through this next season of life. Our guest this week is Tor Holly, a former University of Iowa softball player who is currently in law school and runs her own photography business. Tor discusses putting value in your worth outside of sports. We talk about her creative process in photography, the transition from education into law school, her faith, and we also talk about a topic that both Tor and I geek out on a little bit, and that's the Enneagram test. If you like this conversation, be sure to let us know on Instagram at When Your Sport Ends.
3: So a few years ago, I moved, when I graduated from Iowa, I moved to Arizona and I was teaching in the public school system for three years. And this August, I started law school. So I'm um, in my first year of law school, which has been quite an interesting journey. Um, And I also, about a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe just, just over a year ago, I kind of fell into photography. And so I also have a photography business, which has been the greatest creative escape from school and also is nice to have a little bit of financial support. So it's been, those are kind of my primary things right now.
2: That's awesome. I love how you have so many different, like you juggle so many different hats. How are you able to do that? Do you think that athletics played a role in that?
3: Um, absolutely. I think the biggest thing that I noticed that transcends from just growing up, loving sports, and and being involved in so many sports is the passion. I think I it becomes very clear to me what I am passionate about because I want to work on it the way that I wanted to work on basketball and softball growing up, and um, and understanding that I can be equally passionate about both of those sports that I was for so many years, um, that I can step into new roles and I can be on fire for like, being a creative and learning about photography and also equally on fire for learning about the law and wanting to pursue that too. Um, and so I think that's the, that's the biggest thing in terms of juggling it is it becomes very obvious mm-hmm. what I want to juggle and prioritizing things from there
1: cool so what made the push like what what was uh, the big driver for going from teacher to law school slash professional photographer
3: Oh, man. So photography is kind of its own thing. I always was interested in photos. I was always that annoying friend in high school that had a <laughs> tiny little digital camera. And I was like, take a picture of me, take a picture of me. <laughs> um, I used to make my sister and my friends go to the backyard and take photos. So it was always something that I was interested in. Um, and then I, in college, I got to study abroad twice. And the first time I studied abroad, I was so disappointed that I didn't have a nice camera. So before I went abroad, the second time I got a DSLR and then I moved to Arizona shortly after that and just kind of played around and took some photos with friends of mine. And one of my very good friends at my church was like, I saw those photos. We need promo for our young adults ministry. Can you, can you do this? And I was like, Aaron, I don't, I actually don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) That was just for fun. And it you know, it's, I tell her often, I would not be doing what I'm doing without her because she just fed into that so much. So it really was something I fell into. Um, in terms of law school and switching from teaching, it's, I think that's also kind of been a theme throughout my life of, I always knew I wanted to be in a helping profession. Um, originally I thought I wanted to do social work, um, decided on teaching in college and then, when I moved to Arizona and it was you know 2016 a heightened political environment I'm in um, a state where they're the you know the families I'm working with are primarily immigrant families while all the border discussions are, is on the news and so it's in one ear hearing social issues in the news and through conversations with people that I you know I like to have political and social justice conversations with people just in general. Um, And then seeing, you know, here are the eight-year-olds that these policies affect and they have no idea that it does. And so I think it was kind of a combination of those things that um, I began to see my wanting to be in a helping profession as teaching. I can affect this child individually in the legal profession. I can affect those policies that, that affect all of these children and all of these families. Um, So kind of just a different lens, but the same mission, I guess. Were you into like uh, politics at
2: Iowa? Was that something that has always been a part of your passion? Or was that something that you found after being like thrown into a classroom and seeing how much it affected your students?
3: Um, I don't think it was something that I thought about as often. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember one time... (laughs) One time, this is bad. One time in undergrad, I got in trouble with my coaches um, because Obama was coming to Iowa, and we had practice, and they weren't changing practice, and I like had tweeted something mad about it, and I got in trouble, and I felt so bad, but I also <laughs> was so bummed that I couldn't go see Obama. So I mean, it was a little bit, um, yeah. I also, like political conversations and. Um, discussions are very much something that happens with my family and so my dad and I always have interesting conversations and with my grandfather as well and so it's always kind of been there but it was really really heightened once I became an adult and mm-hmm. was faced with issues head-on so
1: I love that the coaches just didn't
3: change <laughs> oh my gosh
1: that's classic.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was one of those uh, like, Corey, keep your thoughts to yourself. But <laughs> no, we need to hear them. The people need it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so were your coaches actually monitoring your Twitter?
3: No, they were not. Somebody, um, I think it was, I think it was our athletic trainer at the time had was oh. following my Twitter and and printed it out and gave it to them. Printed
2: it. Out. And, <laughs> it's even funnier. Yes. Yeah, that makes me feel really old too. Yeah, but we I mean, you graduated in 2015. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> technology has really come a long way. It has. It has.
1: <laughs> it sounds like you had a little bit more ambition than staying to a classroom then mm-hmm. from the start. From yeah. The get-go.
2: I'd like to get, you know, back into why sort of like your driving force again for why you ended up um, leaving the team your junior year? If you want to talk a little bit mm-hmm. about that process, um, sort of like when when that started and and what spurred it.
3: Yeah, so it kind of goes back way further than that. Um, my senior year of high school. Um, I always basketball was always my favorite sport, um, but I'm 5'4, So I was never <laughs> going to play it in college. Um, and I knew I wanted to be at a big school. So softball was really my option. And I did love it as well. I just, there was something about basketball that um, I, I liked the toughness piece of it. Um, but my senior year, first game of my basketball season, I tore my ACL And so I missed all of my senior season and I got cleared to play softball the morning of our first softball game for the season. So I did get to play my senior softball season. Um, But I think that being injured was kind of the first time in my life that I was faced with Oh, there's more than sports, mm. and having to fight through this like, who am I if I can't be the point guard on my basketball team, and like, who am I if this isn't everything? Like, I don't know what else I care about because it had been my whole life. Um, and so that I think that that there was kind of a seed planted during that time, and um, it affected me confidence wise. So when I came to Iowa. Um, I just was a mental mess, um, and I really, honestly hated it. <laughs> I hated playing softball um, in college because it immediately felt like a chore. Um, because it is, it's it's yeah. so much work, and I was, you know, battling just the confidence stuff every single day. Um, I remember my my first semester of my freshman year, an upperclassman of. Um, who I became close friends with, she would give me rides and we'd get into the car after practice and we would just be like, oh, okay, we made it through another day. Um, it was just a really, really hard transition. So at the beginning, it was it was very challenging for me. And then um, once in the spring, once we started traveling, I like got closer with a lot more of my teammates. I loved traveling. The games made it all feel worth it. And it wasn't as heavy after that. Um, but not playing was always kind of in the back of my head. Mm. Um, so when I got to my junior year, I was a captain and I, I felt just a sense of responsibility in that role and I was, you know, claiming that I love my teammates so much and they're my family and yada 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 but I'm the first one to leave practice every day even though I'm supposed to be a leader, you know. Yeah. Um so I think just kind of the weight of that became real to me like I'm doing a disservice to people that I'm claiming to love by staying here and and not giving it my all and not, you know, truly I just don't have the passion for it anymore, but I loved the people, which is why I stayed for so long um, and just loved the experience too. I, I remember there was a time that um, I, I got a concussion and I was like, so bummed to be missing workouts, but not to be missing practice. And so I think there yeah. were things that I loved. Yeah. There were things that I loved about it. Um, which is why I stayed for as long as I did. But I think just kind of that being a captain and having a higher responsibility made things a lot more clear to me. Um, and my, my coaches were awesome and understanding. And I was able to study abroad twice after that, like I said, and, um, our head coach had like, she is the biggest heart ever, and I I will never forget one time she was talking to my dad, and she was like, "Yeah, we always knew it would happen. towards such a nomad; like it was bound to happen." And so I think it was just kind of me coming into figuring out who I who I was outside of sports.
1: Yeah, that's an important aspect. Honestly, no, I I think you uh, pretty much hit the
2: Nailed nail on the head mm-hmm. as far as
1: that
3: one.
1: <laughs> At least from our side, I think. Uh, I had a similar experience year four, just needed that extra, just needed that year to focus, realign and figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Sounds like, like you had uh, fallen a similar path. Did you, did you end up, uh, where did you end up going as far as graduating or not graduating? So where I, did you
3: I stayed going? at Iowa. Okay um yeah I stayed at Iowa, which created some you know just that whole identity crisis once you're done and dealing with those big questions it made it harder in some ways because my teammates were still playing and they're still some of my best friends and I wanted to go support them but it was hard to be there and yeah um, so that was that was an interesting balance but I think something that helped me with staying at Iowa is one I studied abroad which made things great. Um, and two, I had always made a point to have friends outside of softball, Mm. um, where my teammates, a lot of my teammates all lived together and those were, you know, their closest friends. I had, you know, different groups of friends. So I always lived with friends who I didn't, who weren't on my team. And that helped too, because it wasn't like I was surrounded by it all the time. And I had other people to hang out with. I wasn't starting from scratch. So
2: that's such a good balance. I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of times that. Yeah, you're right. You can get it's hard regardless. But I feel like if if your only friends are your teammates or you're just so deep into it, it can feel really isolating when you quit mm-hmm. and you're done. Did you find yourself um, doing workouts at the same time as like when your allotted practice schedule was anyway, since you're you always have to make your schedule your class schedule surrounded by your workout times. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you end up like, was that something that you did at all or you just kept doing workouts because it was like in your schedule anyways? And even though you weren't a part of the team, it just felt like might as well do it.
3: Yes and no. I think I still, I kept working out, um, but it hit me so quickly that I would, you know, work go to the gym and work out for an hour or something and be exhausted and be like, how in the world did I then go to four hours of practice after this? This makes no sense. And so time wise, absolutely not. But I still, <laughs> to an extent, tried to keep up with being active. But you
1: ever join an intermeal team? <laughs> Just an intermeal No, I actually team? didn't. So what position yeah. did you play?
3: Um, in college, I played mostly second base and some outfield as well. Okay. Nice. It's
1: like one of the most athletic positions, isn't it? Like second base? right in the middle. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Is it? I don't know, Tor. Is that? That's probably that's a better sure question so. for you. I or is that sure? you.
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, kind of up the yeah. middle, like. Your shortstop, second base, center field, but once yeah. you're in college, like everybody,
1: yeah, you know, good. every outfielder yeah. has to be bad. <laughs> everybody
0: has
3: to be, you know,
1: it's yeah, like, definitely. yeah,
3: at that point,
2: yeah. Now, did you because I know we talked about before you growing up, um, sports was like your world, really. I mean, as your identifier, mm-hmm. um, for who you are and who you were. Did you, do you feel like it's still a part of who you are being an athlete in terms of like how you had, you would identify yourself now? Or do you think that you've sort of almost phased out of it? How has that transition been like in terms of identity?
3: Man, it has been. So the last week, this is an example, I guess. Last week I was um, visiting this firm and I, you know, we all did introductions and I had said I went to Iowa, blah, blah, blah. And one of the um, partners at the firm said, "Oh, my wife went to Iowa. We watched all the Hawkeye games. Did you watch the game last night? Talking about a basketball game, and I had to channel everything anyone has ever told me in the last two years about Iowa basketball because I had nothing <laughs> to contribute to the conversation. <laughs> it just I feel is, that. I think it's yeah. I've been so busy with a million other things, and I don't have cable, and I don't." You know, I am either doing school or photography or like trying to maintain friendships yeah and, um, and that in the last year or so, I just have not followed it and I work out regularly, but I don't like do sports. it is it is weird to think about how it was the center of my life for so long. and in this season, it's just not a part of it. It will be again, I'm sure, but.
2: Yeah, because it never really goes away that like right. athlete mentality and behavior, but it's it's interesting mm-hmm. when you're identifying as other aspects of yourself. I, I like, like how you neat. call it mm-hmm. season. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's
1: uh, pretty unique. So, how's this season going for you?
3: <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's true too because it's like I still love sports. I just it's not huge for me right now, but I can see. You know, when I'm when I'm out of this season, the next one that I'll step into, maybe that's family and maybe that's getting my kids in sports. And, you know, there are like different ways that it will come full circle and it'll it'll come back when it comes back.
2: But I didn't really think about identity until Don and I were like first having conversations about this. And I remember telling him, uh, this is so silly, but I feel like you'll identify with this because it in terms of being a child and adolescence, like I was running. It would go hand in hand. If someone talked about a, a race or running, I would be like, oh, and Brooke would be the next sitting out of their mouth. And I just remember having the, um, what were they called? Warm and fuzzies is what they called it. Went to a Catholic school when I was growing up. So yes, um, <laughs> but they're called warm and fuzzies. And every, you had to write one for everyone in the class. So the idea was that, you'd get back like 25 nice things about yourself. And mm-hmm. I was in fifth grade. and I remember just like how that was my existential identity crisis. I had maybe two out of the 25 warm and fuzzies that weren't like Brooke is really fast. Brooke is like a runner. I remember in the other, the other two were like, Brooke's really funny or like yeah. you dance well. And I was like, okay, so I, if I'm a runner, that's all, is that all I am? Like I just, yeah.
1: I'm going to bend your toe.
2: But yeah, <laughs> yours would have been. God
3: is tall. That's funny. Thanks. Um,
2: one thing that I was really curious about being able to talk with you because um, you are so so open about your faith. I was curious if you had any challenges during that time, um, like questioning, or if this transition out of competing and your identity, if that led to insights or hardships with, in terms of your faith
3: mm-hmm. I think college was in general a really formative experience for me um especially in my faith and I think that that year that I quit softball um was probably the most the, the mm-hmm. year of the biggest hardships and yeah. the most growth that I have experienced. Um, so I quit softball in like November or something of my junior year um, and then went through this, who am I? What is my value? I can no longer say like, I'm Tor, I play softball, mm-hmm. which was how I identified myself. And, you know, just those those big questions of where do I fit? And I think I had fallen away from prioritizing my faith and I didn't, you know, have any close friends who were prioritizing their faith. So I just like fell into college and doing the like party college thing, um, which exacerbated my identity crisis because it, it does not fill a single gap. No. Um and so when I really got towards the end of my junior year I really got to this point of like um disappointment like self-loathing honestly um and then at the same time where I was faced with I have to figure this out and lord speak to me here because I don't I clearly can't do this and I don't know what I'm doing or who I am in this world without you mm-hmm. and so it was a a moment of rooting my identity in him and my mom at the same time was diagnosed with cancer and I was back home for the summer and to see my parents' faith through what should have been one of the biggest trials in their life. I mean, they were, I've never seen my mom so strong. I've never seen this like joy and hope and resilience. And it made it impossible for me not to want that, you know, as I'm dealing with my own, who am I, I'm seeing disappointment in my mom, yet she sees it as hope, you know? And so I, it was a combination of all of the right timing and just the Lord's hand over my situation of saying, um, these things have, Happened, And these questions are real. But at the end of the day, no matter what the question is, and no matter what the situation is, I am the answer. And all you need to do is turn back to me. And so I, I think it was sports and that season of my life was huge in my faith.
2: Wow! I know that's just it. Yeah. It's so beautiful to hear because I feel like a lot of the times, um, you know, people want to have that revelation or something but don't realize that it's such a it really does take you to the the deepest like
3: Mm -hmm. tribulations
2: and to get there in trials.
3: yeah and that it's it's a process like I said I mean that was a whole almost an entire year of my just like crawling and trying to figure out like how to how to be how to fit in this world and like how the Lord fits into that and who I am, you know, it was like a slow, slow process of standing up and falling again. And um, I think so often when we think about faith, we hear all these sermons about I need a breakthrough or like Jesus does miracles. Mm-hmm. All those things are true, but sometimes the breakthrough is every step that you take further, and sometimes the the miracle is getting through the process and learning as you go, and that took me a long time to learn. I would not say I learned that in that season of my life, but, um, I, I think that that that's part of the miracle of faith is being able to look back on really tough times and say like, that was a miracle that you like held my hand through all of that and showed me who you are.
1: Did you ever feel like there was a breakthrough at a certain point, like more breakthrough than other? I know that, uh, it's weird to think about sports as well from that aspect, but I feel like you are in that kind of slow burn process mm-hmm. through your athletic, mm-hmm. through your sports, and then sometimes you have that big breakthrough. This is like, all right, let's keep going this route. This is what makes sense.
3: Um, that's a yeah, that was a beautiful um metaphor, but I I don't know. I think a moment that stands out to me is so that following semester then was I went to Spain for a semester and one weekend I traveled to this small town in France and I was sitting like on this lake having lunch by myself and just like spending time with the Lord and I feel like it all hit me like a wave just like everything in the last year and so it wasn't necessarily a breakthrough of everything switched like a light but it was a breakthrough of We're past that, and you know who you are now, and kind of like a a moment of release that you don't have to remain in this disappointment and hold on to this guilt and the shame or whatever it is. You can let all of that go, and I feel like that moment was huge for me because it was truly the first time that I I stopped like beating myself up about not having become who I always planned on becoming. If that I don't know if that makes sense, but. It does. I feel like release
2: is such a perfect word for that too. How do you check in with yourself now? Do you have a gratitude journal or what do you do daily that kind of lets you check in and and see how you're doing like emotional and mentally? Cause you got to take care of yourself with all the hats and many jobs that you have. So.
3: I think this, that's a, that's a very good question. So I used to do, um, I used to journal just devotional and spending time with the Lord every morning. And since starting school, my schedule has just changed so much um, that I haven't been doing that as much. And so I've been trying to figure out what makes what makes sense right now. Um, and I did start a gratitude journal, but I got just one of those tiny little memo pads. And I've basically made it like my own... Handwritten Twitter feed and just Love do it. like a quick, you know, today I'm reminded that I'm thankful for X Y Z or what, you know, I'll just write someone's name or, um, and so that's been nice to just have a quick check in of. There, there's so much beauty even amidst whatever stress I'm having. I don't know. I don't necessarily have a great system right now. <laughs> no, it sounds like
2: you do though. You mentioned earlier about the, um, about helping. You knew that that was your calling. What Enneagram are you?
3: Um, are you sure you want to get me started about this? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a five, which is the investigator. Okay. Cause what's, what are you?
2: I am a three or a seven. I can't remember. Uh-huh. Um, but I I, I kind of remember a two being the helper. Am I wrong? I yes, don't...
3: that's right. That's right. Okay. Um, my sister and my mom are twos, but the two thing is. The reason that I'm nowhere near it is because they're like very like outwardly emotional people, and I'm not that okay.
2: way. <laughs> yeah, more reserved. Um, Don is giving me the most quizzical look. He's no like, no "What idea. is an enneagram? <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: but... You
2: have? Do you want to take give... it? Yeah, I'll make him take it. Um, what's your? Can you give a little bit of like background on what an enneagram is or the system? It's been a while since I mm-hmm. like looked into it, so I wouldn't be the best at.
3: Oh gosh, I hope I don't totally hear it.
2: Um, we'll have a little bit on the bottom maybe for people that want to find their own in the <laughs> Okay,
3: so it's it's basically a personality test, but what I like, uh, there are two things that I really, really like about it compared to other personality tests that I've had to take in the past is I think a lot of times those tests can be really complicated. They'll be like, mm-hmm. here are your six combinations of whatever. And um, it just is like, I I don't want to study this. And so I don't, I don't know what any of that means. And you just move on. Um, the Enneagram is nine numbers, nine types. It's, it's very, very straightforward. Um, and then the second thing that I love about it is that it's based off your motivations for things, not your behaviors necessarily. So I am a five, which is the investigator. And when I first took it, I was like, I don't want to be a five. They're like, all the things I read about five, they're lame. But <laughs> <Minogram>. <laughs> But I have learned that like one, I, I took, I've taken so many of them too. And I'm always a five, but I had to accept yeah. it at some point. But it's because it's based off the, the fear. So fives are motivated by adequacy and they have a fear Ooh. of like being incompetent. And when I thread that through different times in my life, like that was me in softball. You know, once I hit that, mm-hmm. I I was such a perfectionist that I couldn't stop thinking. And when you're standing in the batter's box, you cannot be thinking. And I just like didn't want to mess up instead of just like playing the game that I loved. Do you feel like you, um? because
2: I know you could talk a lot about this, but I'm curious about that about law school, if you feel like that thread for the investigator is also more aligned with your purpose and stuff now too, once you accepted yeah, th- that you are a five.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it, I think it benefits me, but it's almost like a little bit of a, a curse to an extent. Um I think being a five, what I've learned so much is because I just, I also like just get, I hit a wall with people and with situations. And if I'm dealing with emotions and I don't really know how to deal with those, I just like to process through things logically. And oftentimes emotions aren't logical. So I think what I love about school is it gives me an excuse not to have to engage in all of the normal life activities where I can be like, Oh, sorry, I have to go study. And it's true. Um, But I also think it's quite, it can be unhealthy for me um, because that's my way of withdrawing and ignoring, you know, just things that are also equally important in life. Um, So that's been, that's been an interesting process. I think, honestly, I think sports kind of made the whole withdrawal thing really strong because I, and this is all just from reflection, but I, whenever something was going on in high school or growing up, my response was, dad, let's go hit or like, yeah. I want to go to the gym. Um, and although responding to things with physical activity is a, is a good thing, um, I just used it to ignore whatever else was going on. So I'd go hit for hours and be totally fine and my mind's on something else. And then I just don't have to deal with whatever I was dealing with. Um, And so I think that that became an unhealthy pattern. (laughs) That Now I find myself in law school kind of using the same thing. And I have to, I have to be conscientious. I don't know how to say that word. um, (laughs) Of not allowing myself to just only spend time alone and like not engaging in the world around me. But
2: do you think that your photography business helps get you out of that funk a little bit since you have to be interacting with couples and, and people
3: a hundred. I feel like I become a different person when I have my camera with me. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent. It's like a, a place where I get to kind of get lost in the moment um, and get lost in other people. And like, it's really a focus on like, what do I want to highlight about this couple and about this family? Like what is, what is their story and how do I tell it instead of my thinking, you know, it's like a very easy yeah. way to stop thinking about yourself, which I don't think we always get that naturally in other areas of life. So I love it. It is a release.
1: Do you ever use uh, certain, I guess, um, hobbies or activities for reflection on those things that you feel like you're sometimes running away from? I mean, I, I have struggles sometimes and. I have a dog, fortunately, so I walk, but that makes me think about it. But at the same time, I don't just get caught up in that moment, like you said, with the hitting, going to the batting cages. I feel like I've done that with swimming very a lot of times, where I just use it to push out. Whereas now, I try to find things where I reflect. Do you have that? It sounds like photography is more of an escape, set loose, let go of your let, let your creativity flow is there anything right now that you kind of use as that reflection to get back into it or to think about what you've done and get better?
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think working out is something for me because I like will go to the gym and I'm just, it's like, nobody's there, you know? And that even though there are people around there, it really is a time where I'm just in my thoughts and I'm doing something, but I'm not, like 100% just worried about like, oh, what's this workout, you know, I'm thinking about whatever else is going on. So that's always a good space. Um, and I, I'm obsessed with this planner that I have, and it has like reflection questions. And so just kind of a, an easy way to, to reflect and to journal, and at the end of every month, they're a little bit longer. And they're like, you know, what, did you reach your goals this month, or, you know, just prompting questions. Um, so I think right now those are, those are the two biggest times where I do have an opportunity to kind of sit in whatever's going on and process through it.
2: If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow along on Instagram at when your sport ends, we post behind the scenes content and more videos of when we're recording And it's always nice to hear what you have to say and what you think about for future episodes. If you have ideas for topics, let us know. We're listening.